Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. It is the start of the Major League Baseball season this week. It is WrestleMania week. How is everyone doing? Thank you all so much for downloading and tuning in. Took the week off last week because we knew this week was going to be a busy one. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. And you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. Coming up on the show today, a little bit of football talk, and then we get into the Major League Baseball season preview today. Some of the music on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, we begin with the NFL. Uh, Lamar Jackson, it has come out, he has demanded a trade. And this isn't overly surprising news. In fact, that this is kind of expected, you know? Um... It's been a strange situation the whole way around, really. You have had uh, Lamar Jackson, who has had electrifying regular season success. No one is denying. Former MVP, the kid's very good. The issue, from a Baltimore Ravens standpoint, is he's been hurt. He's going to be expensive. And he hasn't had a whole lot of winning. And that is, it, it's it's an interesting discussion. This whole thing has been an interesting discussion. Because you have, like, for Lamar Jackson, remarkably talented. There has always been questions around him. But he has, I think, answered a lot of them. And to be fair, he hasn't really had a whole lot of weapons around him. Like, who's the best receiver he's thrown to? Hollywood Brown? But Baltimore could counter that by saying, well, yeah... Because we've been trying to formulate an offense around you to like we 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 thought that your skills were good enough that you didn't need the big play receivers. We, we were trying to build this thing out as kind of the Ravens teams of the past, where we run the football a lot, strong defense, and we're going to win those games. And Lamar Jackson could then counter with, "Okay, that's awesome. Um, we had like thirty-five-year-old running backs with us a couple of years ago, and then I got banged up this year." And then Baltimore could counter by saying, okay, well, you've been banged up a lot and we're a little bit concerned about that. And also, again, your talents were supposed to be talent around you proof, but the injuries have been a major concern. And then Lamar could counter by saying, okay, but in a recent player survey, the Ravens medical staff was given a not very good grade. And so this back and forth is so fascinating. The thought that Lamar Jackson... Um, doesn't help a team, I think is insane. Now, at what price point? I don't know. But when you go through the NFL right now, like from a, a Raider fan standpoint, I would have much rather seen um, Lamar Jackson come to the Raiders than Jimmy Garoppolo, you know? And look, there, there's going to be a quarterback needy team that doesn't get a quarterback in the draft, right? Like there are four pretty good ones there are more than four teams that need quarterbacks. There are more than four teams that need quarterbacks in the top seven. And no, again, knowing this from a Raider fan perspective. 
And the the difficult part of this now for Baltimore is that, like I said before, like there are teams that need quarterbacks, but there are teams that needed quarterbacks that have gone on to make their adjustments. Carolina made a pretty big move to get their quarterback. We don't know which one that is yet, but they have made their move to go get that quarterback. We'll see what the Texans do it to in the draft. We'll see what the Colts do it for um, in this draft. We'll see, does uh, Seattle or, or Detroit go the way of a quarterback now? But the, the Jets seem to be locked in on their guy. The Raiders, unfortunately, have their dude. The New Orleans Saints have their guy going out and getting Derek Carr. So a lot of the chairs have already been sat in. And for Baltimore now, Lamar Jackson's better than a lot of teams' quarterbacks' situations. Like I said, the Raiders won, but the Raiders spent a bunch of money to go get that sorted out. Better than what Carolina, probably better than what Carolina is going to have, but they just spent a lot of draft capital to go get that figured out. I don't know what the market for Lamar Jackson is. There have been more teams going out and saying we are out on Lamar Jackson than teams saying they are in. Again, I'm not justifying that. I'm just saying Baltimore is in kind of a shit spot right now. Odds are, I think they probably just wait this thing out, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that um, they've tagged Lamar Jackson, whether it's now a Le'Veon Bell situation or what. I I don't think Baltimore is in any rush to trade that guy. But when we look at different landing spots around the league, there's a lot of them that would make sense. I just don't see a whole lot of spots where the team would actually do it. Um, that, that's going to be a discussion that we have coming up on Friday's show is the potential for land, uh, potential landing spots for Lamar Jackson. It is going to be really, really interesting. All right, the rest of the show is going to be based on uh, the world of Major League Baseball as we get ready for the regular season. Looking at our off-season, um, the, the, the off-seasons today, um, getting ready for the, the start of the season on Thursday. So today is best and worst off-season. Tomorrow, we're going to look at best lineups um, and best rotation. Wednesday is our annual uh, MLB teams totals preview. And then on Thursday, we're going to look at, it's something we did with the NFL one, and I would think to great success, um, we are going to look at the most talented teams in the in Major League Baseball, and that's going to lead us to, to Thursday. And then Friday, it is going to be a fights in football Friday, going to be a lot of wrestling talk, going to be a lot of, um, a lot of football, as we just discussed, but we're also going to look at the Blue Jays season opener against the Minnesota Twins. So that is the baseball schedule coming up. Not a whole lot on WrestleMania today as we kind of get ready for uh, Monday Night Raw tonight, but there's going to be a lot of wrestling talk throughout the weekend. Let's start with uh, the teams that had the worst offseason. These are in no particular order, but there is probably going to be a theme to this one. We are going to start... Uh, I guess the, the, the order is alphabetical. That's how we're going to do this. Um, we're we're going to start with Baltimore. And Baltimore didn't have a terrible offseason in that like they, they didn't lose a lot of guys. They didn't gain a lot of dudes. They lost Jordan Lyles, uh, Jesus Aguilar, and Brett Phillips. They added Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Adam Frazier, Michael Givens, and James McCann. Those, those are fine. Nothing wrong with those guys. The issue is they didn't do enough in my opinion, you look at the the feel good story of last year, and Baltimore was mathematically alive for basically ninety eight percent of the the baseball season last year. You have Adelie Rushman, who looks like he is legit as a catching prospect. They had a bunch of pitchers who came in and and started to deliver. This was a team that people were excited about, and we just went through everything that they did. That doesn't feel like the okay. 
we're in. Let's go for it. This was, I think, a real ball drop by, by Baltimore. And I get the division's competitive. The division's always going to be competitive. Quite frankly, it's probably going to be more competitive soon because I can't imagine Boston's going to be cool just being this bad for a long time. And we'll get to the Red Sox in a second and not in the best part. So for Baltimore you are always going to have to compete with these teams. And now, I think that the playing field is even more in favor of teams in the American League East because of the balanced schedule. So you're not going to have to play the, the, the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays 19 times this season. You still play them a bunch, but you're going to see some of the other lesser teams um, a, a little bit more as well. And so now for Baltimore to not take full advantage of this, I thought was really, really surprising and quite disappointing. I mean, again, Blue Jays fan talking here. I'm not overly disappointed because I, I don't, don't want to deal with another good team in the division, but I thought this was a real opportunity for Baltimore to build on what they had with Rushman and uh, go on that way. And instead, Kyle Gibson's fine. Adam Frazier's fine. Cole Irvin's fine. Like, there's, there's just not a whole lot there. Uh, up next, we have the Boston Red Sox. This year, they added uh, Masatanaka Yoshida, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, Chris Martin, Corey Kluber, Adam Duvall, Jolie Rodriguez, Al... I always have trouble with this one. Adalberto Mondesi and Richard Blyer. They lost Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Nate Iavaldi, Matt Strom, Rich Hill, Tommy Pham, and Eric Hosmer, they also extended Rafael Devers. Um, the, the losing of the Xander Bogarts one is just mind-boggling in its stupidity. And there has always been the, yeah, we're going to do it. We're, we're making all these moves, but Xander's our guy. We're making all these moves, and Xander's our guy. And then it was, have you seen Devers as Xander Bogarts went to the, the San Diego Padres? And I, I don't know if Xander is a like franchise cornerstone, but this has been building in Boston for a little bit. And now like you have Devers, that's great. It's kind of it right now, and this division's good. Uh, now, it looked like Yoshida might be kind of legit in the, the World Baseball Classic, but we've seen many a guy who's looked great in the World Baseball Classic and then come over to Major League Baseball, and it's not quite as good. So, to, to be banking your entire thing on wildly overpaying for a guy who looked good in 45 at-bats at the, the World Baseball Classic is a little bit concerning. Justin Turner has felt kind of over the hill for the last little bit, but it's an, it's... It is the Wish.com version of J.D. Martinez, so fine. Kenley Jansen, don't think he really has it anymore, and think that there's an opportunity that he's going to get his teeth kicked in by the American League East this year. Corey Kluber was fine. Like, there's just, there's a lot of, okay, I guess. Like, they're, they're, they're trying to stay um, somewhat competitive while also not spending, like, a somewhat competitive team, especially in the American League East, and it just leads to a bit of mediocrity, and again, as someone who's been a fan of this division forever, more balanced schedule helps for sure, but mediocrity gets punished in the American League East, and that's where the Boston Red Sox are going to be residing. I don't think they're going to be bad enough to, to be like, okay, full-on rebuild, let's go, but I don't think they're going to be good enough that they're going to be part of any kind of conversation when it comes to August and September baseball, with regards to any kind of concern from any of the, the big teams. Another one in the category of why didn't you do more, we have the Chicago White Sox. Uh, this offseason, the, uh, the White Sox lost Jose Abreu, Johnny Cueto, AJ Pollock, Vince Velasquez, Josh Harrison, Danny Mendick, and Adam Engel. They added Andrew Benintendi and Mike Clevenger. One of these lists is not like the other. Um, and look, Clevenger 
incredibly talented, but there is an ongoing investigation uh, against him towards allegations of domestic violence and child abuse from the mother of his children. So that is um, definitely an awful look for them. And like, it just, A, that sucks. Like that, that's, that, that, that is a, a horrible thing. And we're, we're going to let the, the process play out, but that's not something you want around your team. And that now leaves Andrew Benintendi as your big free agent acquisition, which is not enough when you lost the guys who we went through. Th this team has such a fun core, you know, with, with guys like, um, I, I never know if it's Robert, Robert, um, but that guy, uh, you, you have Tim Anderson, they had Jose Abreu, like there was a lot of pieces to be excited about with the White Sox, and then they bring in Tony La Russa, and the fun slowly gets sucked out of this team, and now Abreu is gone, and all of a sudden this just looks like a team that's just got a couple of really talented players that might be available at the deadline. Like, I, I feel like this was an offseason for the, the White Sox to really go and solidify around an exciting group of players, and they did none of it. They go out and sign an alleged piece of shit, and a kind of, at this point, overrated Andrew Benintendi to $75 million, which is, I don't know who they were bidding against, but damn, dude. Like, that that's... I, I, like, Benintendi's fine, but he's not that fine. I, I don't get what the White Sox were looking at at all. And this division feels so wide open. The Twins just kind of fell into an all-star. Um, the, the Guardians are, um, the, the Guardians are a team that, like, I think wildly overperformed last year. And I, I wonder if there's a bit of coming back to earth for them. Like, this division is there for the White Sox to take. And they just are deciding not to, I guess, for whatever reason. Up next, the Miami Marlins. Um, they, I don't think they had a, a, a truly terrible offseason, and quite frankly, going through this list, a lot of teams were just kind of there when it came to this offseason. But look at what they did. They added Luis Arez, Gene Segura, Johnny Cueto, Matt Barnes, JT Charlois, and AJ Puck. They lose Pablo Lopez, Brian Anderson, Richard Blyer, and JJ Blade. Um, looking at this, like the, the standout there is the big trade where they, they ship Pablo Lopez to the Twins for Luis Arise, the American League batting champion, hit 314 a season ago. He was incredible, but he is kind of just a batting average dude. Um, Gene Segura is a, a fine Major League Baseball player, and like they, they, they improve this offense. The, the issue I have with the offseason for Miami is... We were looking at this pitching staff for the, the Marlins and saying, okay, if this is a team that wants to make a splash and address their, their, their lineup, then they can trade one of these big-name guys and get a couple of pieces to really get in there. And they trade one of the guys, and they get a dude who hit 314 without a whole lot else going on in, in terms of any kind of power or anything like that. And maybe the speed game will be there a little bit more for him this season, but I, I, just, I, I, I can't really predict that for him. So... I, I just feel like this was an offseason where they 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 kind of pulled the big card that they had and didn't really get enough. I think Cueto could be an interesting kind of fit to, to kind of fill his spot. Like he is, once again, just kind of the, I don't know why you want Pablo Lopez. We have a Pablo Lopez at home. Um, he, he, can, he can be that kind of a guy. But I... 
I just don't think they got enough for like the, the last real big trade chip that they had if they wanted to make this group that they have competitive. You have one of the best pitchers in the National League, maybe the best pitcher in the National League, in Sandy Alcantara. You probably weren't going to trade him, but now... I, I just, I don't think this team got enough to trade one of those big pieces away. Uh, the last one, the San Francisco Giants. It's not about, with a lot of these teams, it's not about what San Francisco did. It, it's kind of about what San Francisco almost did. So here's the offseason. They add Mitch Hanniger, fine. Michael Conforto, pretty good. Taylor Rogers, thought they had one of those. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> Rod Stripling, Sean Manaya, Jock Peterson, and, and Luke Jackson. They lose Carlos Rodon, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria, Jarlin uh, Garcia, there's no way I said that right, Shelby Miller, and Tommy LaStella. So when you go through that, talent in, talent out, Feels pretty good. Feels like an upgrade for a team that finished at 500 last year after winning uh, over 100 games a season ago. Mitch Hanniger, guy can bomb. Michael Conforto, talented from the left side. Same goes with with Jock Peterson. Sean Manaya kind of crashed and burned at some points last year, but he could be fine. Ross Stripling, breakout year for the Blue Jays. Taylor Rogers adding to the bullpen. Like they, they they did well. The issue is for about seven minutes, we thought they had Aaron Judge. And for about a week, we thought they had Carlos Correa. This was the off season that San Francisco was kind of building towards with a lot of the, the veteran guys that they had. And you see the, the ones that are on the way out, like Rodon, Belt, Longoria, Miller, Listella, like they had some veterans who were kind of placeholders so that when this offseason came, they had money to spend. And spend it they tried, and spend it they didn't. Um, to not come away with one of the big boppers makes it feel like they are now falling very, very far behind in this National League West arms race with the, the Padres and the Dodgers. The Dodgers, the odds-on favorite to get Shohei Otani next season. The Padres are just spending all of the money and putting uh, mid-market teams to shame. So for, for, for San Francisco, they are the ones who are kind of supposed to have the, the big checkbook that can go out and make these kind of moves. And this was the offseason to do it with Aaron Judge being connected to San Francisco. Francisco so closely, and now they're just kind of there. Let's move to a, a bit more of a positive topic, shall we? Let's go, surprisingly enough, to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And it's not just because um, their, their stars faced off in an, an all-time great moment in sport at the, the World Baseball Classic, but they lose Michael Lorenzen, they add Tyler Anderson, Brandon Drury, Carlos Estevez, Brett Phillips, Gio Urshela, Hunter Renfro. Those are some really, really good under-the-radar moves, especially for that lineup. To, to add Drury, who had a breakout season last year, I love the versatility of Urshela, um, and, and Hunter Renfro can hit some bombs. So it, it's I don't think this lineup is just specifically going to be focusing on Trout and Otani anymore, and the pitching rotation was actually really good in the back part of 2022, and you add Anderson, who pitched almost 200 innings last year, I get not almost, 178, had a 2.57 ERA, it's not the, okay, go out and get Verlander, Scherzer, and Tyler Anderson, and rebuild this rotation, and on they go, but the frustrating thing, like, these are the smart moves that they're supposed to make, and the frustrating thing is that these moves were the smart moves they were supposed to be making about three years ago to, to help build this team instead of like big splash that didn't work, big splash that didn't work, big splash that didn't work. These are the moves they should have been making instead of Justin Upton and Albert Pujols and those types of things. Instead, now they 
are in a walk year with Shohei Otani, and you're starting to see Mike Trout's body start to fail him just the slightest little bit. And and so now you're wondering if the, this intelligent approach is maybe too little too late for the Angels. Um, the, the Astros are going to win that division again, and the Mariners are going to be quite good, but I do think the Angels are good enough that they're going to be able to make some noise in the American League West this season because of some of the smart moves they made this offseason. Up next, we have the Minnesota Twins, who tried really hard to not make this list, but in the end, they add um, Carlos Correa, Pablo Lopez, Christian Vasquez, Joey Gallo, Kyle Farmer, and Michael A. Taylor while losing Luis Arez and Gio Urshela. Um, Correa is absolutely incredible that they got him. That There is obviously some questions around uh, the, the ankle, how well it is going to hold up, but there's a DH rule for a reason. Um, <laughs> like, this was a wild... For those who don't know, um, Correa was signed by the Giants... They were about to, like, introduce him at the press conference, and then there was a holdup with his physicals. So the Mets are like, the physical schmizical. Here's $300 million. And then and then it was kind of, oh, wait a minute. Phys physical, physical. Uh, we, we don't like how this looks either. And then the Twins come in with six years and $200 million. So overall, it's about $665 million that Carlos Correa was offered um, at various points this season and actually kind of signed um, at various points this season. So... Like, it, it, long-term, are we worried about his leg just falling off? Kind of. But when you look at what the Twins get for this season, they get an all-star caliber uh, shortstop. So that's great. And then you have uh, a starting rotation that had uh, a few guys, but no dudes. Uh, and Pablo Lopez can be that guy. Losing Urshela, like I just gushed about him a few moments ago, losing Urshela isn't great. Losing Arez isn't awesome. Um, and you're not exactly doing your offense a ton of favors when you replace the batting champion with Joey Gallo. That That's not really how that is going to, to necessarily work. But overall, I I really like what the, the Twins were, were able to do this offseason. Um... I think you had a veteran catcher in Christian Vasquez who can help out this pitching staff. Like, I, I just, I think what they were able to do in lucking into a shortstop and one of the more talented players in the game, one healthy, really big boost for the Minnesota Twins. Up next is San Diego. This one isn't rocket science. They got Xander Bogarts. That, that helps. It helps a lot. Um, but to, to just go through it all. They get Xander Bogarts, Robert Suarez, Nick Martinez, Seth Lugo, Matt Carpenter, Nelson Cruz, and Adam Engel. They lose Josh Bell, Sean Manaya, Brandon Drury, Mike Clevenger, Will Myers, and Pierce Johnson, while also signing Yu Darvish to a contract extension. Um, like, Xander Bogarts is clearly one of the, the great ones, and now you look at the potential for this lineup with Bogarts, Machado, Soto, eventually Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to come back. Like, th that is a top four that is just absurd at the top of this lineup. And then you add in some big boppers with Matt Carpenter, who had a breakout year with the Yankees, and I think Yankee fans were sad to see him go. And you add Nelson Cruz to the list, and I, I think that certainly helps things out quite a bit. Um... All of a sudden, like, this offense can be really, really scary. I think there might still be a, a little bit of something there with Seth Lugo as well. But this is a this is a, a home run swing and I think a home run hit of an offseason for the Padres. And you know if it doesn't work, they're just going to go out and 
try to trade for more guys at the deadline. Uh, up next, we have the Texas Rangers, and I am not one to uh, often celebrate the work of the, the Texas Rangers, but they did a lot this season. They acquired Jake DeGrom, Nate Iavaldi, Andrew Heaney, Martin Perez, and Jake Odorizzi while losing Dennis Santana, Colby Allard, and Nick Solak. Last year, when they went out and got Seager and Simeon, it was okay, like, th this team isn't ready to compete yet, they need to get the pitching figured out, but um, th they've at least got the bats. Well, this year, they definitely tried to get the pitching figured out. They basically just built their starting rotation in the offseason. Um, now, the, the health of DeGrom is a concern, the health of Ivaldi is a concern, Heaney came on strong, but has some moments of, of inconsistency. Same thing, Jake Odorizzi uh, is definitely in the back nine of the career instead of young up-and-comer. There are certainly questions for this team, and that like that this does not mean that they are a contender, but for the second year in a row, they have put resources into quality spots, and they have put themselves in a better position to win, and I think that is great for Texas. Last one is a tie. Um, the Yankees and the Blue Jays. And part of this is absolutely biased. For the Yankees, they, they did what they were supposed to do. And we punished teams in the worst offseason for not doing what they were supposed to do well. This is, they, they did what they needed to do. They kept Aaron Judge and they added a big name to that rotation. The issue that they are now running into is uh, Frankie Montas is hurt. Luis Severino is hurt. Carlos Rodon, who you signed to a whole lot of money, ain't gonna be there for a minute. So... They, the, 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 the best part of the offseason was the players they added, which is kind of the point of this, but they do have a bit of a downer offseason because they have lost a few players to injury and you are already looking at the concerns. They get bonus points because Volpe's going to be their starting shortstop. And I think between Peraza and Volpe, they have a real exciting young group. Now we said that before about Bird and Torres, and all of those guys, and th there's a chance that by, like, the deadline or next offseason, none of those guys are going to be around with the, the Baby Bombers group. So, um, but for, for now, like, it, it looks like there is a bit of excitement coming from the Yankees, and one of the things I, I was wondering, and we'll get more into this in the team previews next week, but one of the things I was wondering about this team was, where is this improvement coming? Because you can't assume Judge is going to hit 62 again this season. So where, where are you getting better? And the clear and obvious part is the upgraded shortstop with... Um, whether it was going to be Peraza or Volpe over IKF, who I just I just missed on. Um, and it looks like it's going to be Volpe. If he continues what he did in the spring in the regular season, it's going to be another great spring, uh, another great summer for the, the New York Yankees. But I will caution, this is now the third shortstop that it's been like, you know what? This is the, the heir apparent to Derek Jeter. They found their guy. It was Didi Gregorius. Well, he wears number whatever because of Derek Jeter. It was Glaber Torres. And now it's it's Volpe who grew up idolizing Derek Jeter. Yeah, so did fucking everyone. I did. Probably not going to be the starting shortstop for the Yankees. The, this, is, the, this is the third where it was like, can't miss. This is the guy. And one dude isn't playing for the organization anymore. And the other guy couldn't make the throw to first base. So now he's at shortstop. So maybe third time's the charm for the Yankees at short. Um, and the reason the Blue Jays aren't the like runaway favorite for the, this fifth spot on the list is they gave up a lot this offseason, but they also acquired a lot this offseason. They get Dalton Varsho, Chris Bassett, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer, Chad Green, and Eric Swanson in exchange for Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Gabriel Moreno, Ross Stripling. Um, Varsho and Kiermeyer 
and Belt, I guess, to certain degrees, help out this offense or help out this team immensely in areas that they needed. They needed guys who could defend. Varsho and Kiermaier can definitely do that. And they need some left-handed pop. Enter Brendan Belt. So they they have acquired what they needed. It's just, they. it feels like they gave up a bunch to do it with Lourdes Goriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno walking out the door. But it, it feels like Alejandro Kirk is not a fluke and Danny Jansen, if the dude could just stay healthy, he was on track for an excellent season a year ago. And then you have the Teoscar Hernandez deal bringing in Eric Swanson. It feels like a lot to give up for a reliever, but now you have a guy who can be an absolute lights out guy leading into Jordan Romano from the, the eighth to the ninth inning and Teoscar probably wasn't going to be back next season. And don't forget, there were questions about the effort at different times this year. Love Teoscar, love Lourdes Goriel Jr., love Gabriel Moreno. Hate to see them go, but love to see what's been brought in. And then the addition of Chris Bassett, there are concerns about his velocity. He's not missing a ton of bats this spring. He's a guy who it sounds like he thinks the game really, really well and is going to be one of those cerebral pitchers out on the mound. I... I feel like once things get going, he's going to be just what the Blue Jays need. But also, they kind of only need him to be their three or maybe even just their four with um, Manoa and Gosman ahead of them. If things go well for the Blue Jays this season, Barrios will be ahead of them. Um, and then it'll be Bassett and, and Kikuchi at four or five. If those guys can all pitch the way that they have in the past, then this is potentially the best starting rotation in baseball. So the, the Blue Jays make a couple of big moves to be, be able to really get them on, uh, get them back on the track to, to get back to the postseason and maybe even win a game. And that's going to do it for the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, remember, rate, review, subscribe. It's going to be a lot of baseball talk this week and a lot more wrestling to come as well as we are into the home stretch on the road to WrestleMania. Blue Jay season starts Thursday. WrestleMania is this weekend. It is going to be so much fun talking about it all with you right here on Couch Potato Diary. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. I'm out. <laughs>